right, so we are broadcasting live today in a very special place. If you're watching on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page or you're listening to us uh, here on 1350 ESPN, my name is Mike Wicked. Uh, I am broadcasting from my kitchen. <laughs> we are live from my kitchen right now. We had uh, a bit of a COVID scare in our, our house yesterday to be extra cautious with everything going on. Uh, I was told that we're going to do the show not in the 1350 ESPN studios, but instead from uh, my house. And I built this little makeshift studio going on here, and uh, we are off and running on a Friday, so thank you for being here. It was a short week because of the, uh, the Labor Day holiday, but what a weekend it is going to be. We have got great weather for you. And we've got all kinds of football. I'm going to get into last night. And I, listen, there is a game I like to play. I don't really like to play it, but I'm going to play it. Uh, there is a game I definitely will be playing. It's called I Told You So. And if anybody has ever watched Mike McCarthy coached football teams, last night should not have been a shock to anyone. But there are so many people that are freaking out. They're like, oh, my gosh, how could he not do this? I'll get to that coming up in a bit, and it kicks off the NFL weekend. We'll look at all of the games, talk about all of the NFL action, and, and I, I am so excited for the National Football League to get here. It is absolutely the best season of them all. I mean, I'm a big NBA guy. I'm a, a Major League Baseball guy. My Brewers are one of the favorites to get to the postseason and go deep in the playoffs. Uh, but I'll tell you what, when I am looking at the NFL season – the day after the Super Bowl. I think most people probably are, so we'll talk some NFL. But it, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that we are going to get out of here in about 45 minutes for Cubs baseball, Cubs and Giants. Pat and Ron will have the call about 120. We'll have the uh, pregame for you at 1245 here on 1350 ESPN. And tomorrow, I'm guessing that there are a lot of people. My neighbors, I've already talked to them. They're helping me do some stuff around the house these last few days. Uh, one of them said, look, I'm not going to be available for you tomorrow. And they said, I understand you are going to Ames. He is an Iowa State grad because tomorrow is the biggest Cyhawk game in the history of the rivalry. You have got Iowa and Iowa State. And if I would have told you, go, let's back up a week here. If I would have told you that the Iowa-Iowa State results were going to be one team is going to blow out the, uh, their opposition, and the other team is going to win in a close one. I think most people would have thought Iowa was going to be the team to win in the close one, and Iowa State was going to be the team that was going to win in the blowout. That's why they pay us to be wrong on the radio all the time. That's why experts never really know, because Iowa State nearly embarrassed themselves uh, and you had definite Michigan Appalachian State vibes coming out of Ames because I, look, I, I was trying to watch. It was the game I was least interested in the two because it was an expected outcome. You didn't go into this one thinking, oh, man, Northern Iowa is going to give ISU all kinds of trouble. No, this was Brock Purdy is back. Xavier Hutchinson is there. Brees Hall is a dope walker candidate. Uh, Mike Rose in the linebacker spot. Will McDonald is a sack machine. You, you, you did not expect in any way for this one to be close. But as Chris Berman told us a long time ago, that's why they play the games, right? That's exactly why they play the games. This was one of those, I don't know, there's a lot, three different perspectives when you look at the fact that Iowa State struggled with Northern Iowa. A, is this just another typical 
uh, Matt Campbell squad that doesn't come out in August and September and play well. Matt Campbell's team should have beat Louisiana a year ago. They didn't. I think we've talked that one to death. But Matt Campbell's teams, let me get the stat right, Matt Campbell's teams are 8-11 and 11 in games in August and September. 8-11 and 11 in those games. How does that happen? Um, I know the, the Cyhawk game traditionally is played early in the season. You know that. Last year they didn't play that game uh, because of COVID. But how do you come out of the gate and go 8-11 and 11 in August and September? And usually your opponents in the month of August, if you're a Big 12 school, are Louisiana or Northern Iowa or whatever. That's just really surprising, especially with everything on the line for Iowa State this year. This is supposed to be the best Iowa State team perhaps in history. They've never started the season at preseason number seven. And they come in and they almost laid an egg. Like, this was getting kind of ugly in the first half. And they, I don't want to say exerted their dominance in the second half, because they really didn't exert their dominance in the second half. They were just a more talented team. You knew that, and the cream generally rises to the top in those situations. But when you watch this team play on Saturday, you watched a team that just either was sleepwalking, didn't think they had to show anything, for the sake of not giving Iowa any film to look at whatsoever for the Cyhawk game coming up in Ames, uh, you have a team that didn't take the opponent lightly. You had Northern Iowa. The thing about these in-state rivals, and you got to love this, the thing about these in-state rivals with these smaller schools when they go play the big boy, like Akron when they play Ohio State or Ohio when they play Ohio State or whatever, those schools are full of kids, generally speaking, who grew up wanting to go to play for the big boys. So you have a bunch of guys that play for Northern Iowa that probably most of their roster is from the state of Iowa. They didn't get a scholarship offer from Iowa. They didn't get a scholarship offer from Iowa State. And they are going to make it their life goal to make life hell uh, to prove to Matt Campbell or Kirk Ferentz or whoever, you should have recruited me. Uh, you know, or they're playing against the guys they played in high school or whatever, guys they've gone to camps with since they were six years old or whatever. So that was Northern Iowa's Super Bowl. I don't know the rest of Northern Iowa's schedule. I have no idea who Northern Iowa's going to play the rest of the way out. But I do know that that was Northern Iowa's Super Bowl, and they almost won it. Brock Purdy was pedestrian. Not even that. Brock Purdy was subpar. I mean, he didn't turn the football over. Didn't throw any touchdowns, but Brock Purdy was was subpar. Brees Hall was pedestrian. 63 carries, or 63 rushing yards, I should say. That's pretty pedestrian for a guy who, and don't tell me, oh, Northern's got a good defense. No! Iowa State should have run all over Northern, and I, I think they win that game 10 times out of 10, but this was one of those where Northern brought what they had, they had been saving for the entire year, you know ISU is looking ahead to Iowa because Iowa's been big brother in this state for so long. They were looking ahead, and they didn't want to show anything for, for Ferris and company to see, and they didn't bring their A game, and they almost got beat. That was really surprising offensively to see Matt Campbell's team struggle the way they did in that football game for most of four quarters. And that's why they dropped two spots in the AP poll. They went from seven down to nine. That's why Iowa State is now where they're at right now. Meanwhile, the boys in Iowa City lit up Indiana. They embarrassed the Hoosiers. Uh, this was a game that was over by midway through the second quarter, definitely over by halftime, and they coasted to their victory. It was not what anybody expected, especially 
for how you expected Indiana to come into this football game. Indiana was the one everybody was talking about. Indiana was the football team that everybody said, watch out, this is the best squad Indiana's had in maybe forever. Indiana was the team with the quarterback you were supposed to be scared of in Michael Penix Jr. Indiana was the team that people were talking about as a dark horse to maybe get into the Big Ten title game. I, I'd never really believed that, especially in the conference that they play in. That's Ohio State's to win, lose, and whatever. Nobody else in the East is going to come close. Um, but Indiana was being talked about as that next best team, perhaps, along with Penn State. I'll never believe in Jim Harbaugh. I don't think that's ever going to happen for Michigan. I think that's a joke. But Indiana came in, and after the two pick sixes by Riley Moss, it was over. And then it was another, the same kind of case where Iowa State, it felt like Iowa State didn't really want to show anything for Iowa. Iowa didn't have to show anything for Iowa State. The situation they were in, being up so big, being so dominant, having full control of that football game, Iowa didn't have to show anything. All they had to do was get out to that huge lead, run out the clock, give the ball to Goodson, have Spencer Petrus maybe try to get a little – it didn't look great. Petrus didn't look great in this game. Uh, just try to get him comfortable because last year he didn't play in front of any crowds. That was the biggest crowd that Petrus has ever played in last week. Tomorrow is going to be a hell of a lot different for Petrus. Tomorrow's going to be a hell of a lot different for a lot of these guys that have not played in front of big crowds or maybe they haven't played in front of a big crowd in years. But Petrus was, eh, whatever. But again, Iowa didn't have to be great. What does Ferentz and company bring tomorrow? What does Coach Ferentz have left in the bag to show Iowa State or to unleash on Iowa State in the Cyhawk game? And for their effort, for their dominating effort, for beating Penix, for beating Indiana, for crushing that team, they moved from 18 to 10. So for the very first time, now we've got the biggest Iowa-Iowa State game in the history of the rivalry, number 9, number 10, and ESPN's College Game Day is going to be there. I mean, this environment tomorrow, you can feel it in the state of Iowa. Whether you are a Hawkeye or you are a Cyclone, you can absolutely feel the intensity. You can absolutely feel the hatred. You can feel the rivalry. I got two neighbors who are doing some work, like I mentioned, out back. One is a really diehard uh, Iowa State fan, and one is a somewhat passionate Iowa fan. They've been jawing at each other all week. <laughs> They've been talking junk to each other all week. And to see that, it's fun. But in normal years, it's, you know, I, I feel like with Iowa and Iowa State fan, and maybe it's more so with Iowa State fan because you've never really been here before. But with Iowa fan, they're kind of, it's like when you toy with little with your little brother or a dog, you know, messes with a toy or whatever. And this is no disrespect to Iowa State. You've just never been here. There's a lot of show me in Iowa fan this week. There's a lot of, mm, yeah, okay, whatever. We'll see how it goes. There's a lot of that going on with Iowa fan this week because of A, their dominance in the rivalry, and B, their dominance last week. That defense looked legit against, uh, against Indiana. Just week one, and you never can judge an entire season on week one for most teams. I think mean, there's a couple. Obviously, Indiana's going to be great for a long time. and that's, or, I'm sorry, Alabama's going to be great for a long time. And you know Ohio State's going to figure it out. Whatever. I expect coming up tomorrow, I expect in this rivalry game to be on the edge of my seat from the time it kicks off at 3.30 
until whenever it ends. Because I expect Iowa to come down to earth. They're not going to get out to a 31-3 to lead and go into half up four scores. I don't think. I don't think that's going to happen. I expect Iowa State to look a little more efficient on offense, a little more explosive on offense. I expect them to be more effective on offense. I don't think that's unfair of me to say. I think you're going to get a better game out of Brock Purdy. I think you're going to get a better game out of Brees Hall. I think these guys are going to be amped up 10 times, 20 times more than they were six days ago for a game against Northern Iowa. Yeah, it was cool to get out on the field and actually play football, but with all due respect to the Panther fans that are listening, that's not a real opponent. So I I feel like this game is going to bring out so much more emotion, and Iowa State's got to love the fact that they're at home playing at Jack Trice with college game day there. This is going to be one of the... No, 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 I'll, I'll take that back. This will be the most hostile crowd that Spencer Petras will have played in in his life as the quarterback of the Hawkeyes, and possibly, and I don't know what his future holds, I don't know if he's an NFL guy, whatever, but this environment tomorrow, coming into that hornet's nest with that team who's got all those expectations coming off of the effort they gave last week, man, oh man, it kind of does come down to Spencer Petras. If Petras can uh, harness his call, if he can hold on to any sort of maturation that he has made, if he can not let the moment get too big. It's going to be good, obviously, for for Iowa. But if you are Iowa State, that's priority A, priority B, and priority C, is get to Spencer Petras, get him off his mark, have him make mistakes, get inside his head, challenge his mental toughness. You know Petras can throw the ball. He did. He led the Big Ten in passing yards last year. But mentally, how is he going to handle playing at Jack Trice, national TV, biggest game of his entire life, rivalry game against guys he knows on, on all over the field, on both sides of the football. How is Spencer Petras going to handle that? Cannot wait for it. I If I have to make a prediction, give me the home team. If this game was in Iowa City, I would take Iowa. But I'll take the home team, even though Matt Campbell is 8-11 and 11 in games in August and September, even though Matt Campbell has never won a game in this rivalry, even though all of that stuff, I'll still take Iowa State based on being at home and I expect them to greatly improve. I don't know how much the ceiling is for Iowa this year, but I expect Iowa State to greatly improve and come out with a much better performance all over the board. And we are we still, as of right now, I have not been on Twitter in like 14 minutes. So I don't know if Charlie Kohler is going to play the tight end because you know how much more comfortable, let me get a refresher, you know how much more comfortable uh, he makes Brock Purdy. And if he doesn't have Hutchinson, or if somebody, if, if Hutchinson is covered or whatever, he needs that outlet to get to. Give me Iowa State, 31-28, something like that. Very, very close game. Within that number, I think it's at four. I don't know if it's bet up, been bet up or bet down. But I'm going to take Iowa State at home, 31-27, 31-28, something along those lines. Uh, my name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World here on 1350 ESPN. Coming up next... We do have to get to last night. Uh, most people were shocked at what Mike McCarthy did not do. I wasn't, and I'll tell you why coming up next here on ESPN Des Moines. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. From the Bally Bet Sportsbook App Studio, get social features, casino rewards, and exclusive games in one betting app.
So last night, uh, if you watched the uh, opener, I here's the deal, man. My normal gig, I uh, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I do a morning show over on Laser 103.3. All right, so I got to get up early, and I feel like my my wife doesn't love it when I am watching football late in bed. I like to stick around and watch the end of these Thursday night games and Monday night games. And this is my first year doing the show over on Laser uh, as my normal gig, Heather and Wicket, Monday through Friday, 6 to 10, free plug. And she doesn't exactly want me to stay up late. I understand that. So I didn't see the end of last night's game. I didn't see the game-winning field goal. But I kind of knew what was going to happen in this one uh, between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. And Tom Brady is just... I don't even know. Like, how do what do you what do you say about Tom Brady at this point? That hasn't already been said. You want me to you want me to wax poetic about Brady for the next nine minutes until my next commercial break? And you're gonna be like, yeah, Mike, I know he's 44 years old. He's created four touchdown passes. I played against Tom Brady in two fantasy football leagues last night, and I'm gonna get my ass kicked in both because of Brady. It's just what's gonna happen. But the predictable thing in this football game was this. Now, if you play fantasy football, you know that Christian McCaffrey probably went one in your league and Dalvin Cook went two, and somewhere in the top five or six, that's when Zeke Elliott was supposed to be drafted, right? Because Zeke Elliott is really good. And Mike McCarthy was asked about his aversion to running the football. I'll play this for you. Yeah, about you and running backs, and just so does it bother you. Um, not really... You know, I wasn't aware that, that, I, that I had a reputation with running backs for misconception. But um, you know, I've been I've been very very fortunate, uh, blessed to be around a lot of great running backs throughout my career, going back to you know Marcus Allen, you know in the early '90s there with the, the Chiefs, and you know I had Deuce McAllister and, and Ricky Williams, Frank Gore out there in San Francisco, and you know when we had a, a stable backs in my time up in Green Bay. So you know, at the end of the day. The running back position is is very important to your offense because you, you still need to run the football to be successful as a football team uh, in today's NFL. Uh, but you know, you have a player like Zeke. Uh, I think that the focus will be clearly on touches. You know, Zeke needs to touch the football, and and he will in this offense. And all right, I'm gonna stop it right there. All right, Zeke needs to touch the football in this offense. That's what I just heard from Mike McCarthy. He went through all the running backs that he's played with. He talked about it being, you know, up in Green Bay. He had a, he had some very talented running backs when he was the head coach. I'm a Packers fan. I should know these things. You know how many carries Zeke Elliott had last night? Because I heard that press conference. We talked to uh, a Cowboys reporter over the uh, the off season because they're one of the big five. A lot of fans here in Des Moines. And I said to everybody who would listen, Mike McCarthy's not going to run the football. Even last year with the injuries and the chaos in his first year after Dak went down, Mike McCarthy didn't. They didn't get a great play out of Zeke last year, but still it's Zeke Elliott. You know how you motivate a guy like Zeke Elliott to play better? You give him the football. Mike McCarthy is allergic to running the ball. I realize that Dak threw for 400 yards, but I also know that, Z uh, that Dak Prescott threw 51 times yesterday. It is the fifth time that Dak Prescott has thrown the ball 50 times in his career as, a, as the uh, Dallas Cowboys quarterback. The Cowboys have won exactly one of those games. One. One single game 
when Dak has had to throw that many times. 51 passing attempts yesterday for Dak Prescott, 11 carries for Zeke Elliott. Sorry to your fantasy team if you drafted Zeke Elliott and you don't have another big-time playmaker or you don't have one of those quarterbacks that can throw for 400 yards and a touchdown or four touchdowns or whatever like Brady or like Dak. Like, if you stacked Cowboys and you went Dak and Zeke, you're okay. But if you drafted Zeke Elliott, I am telling you right now, sell him. Sell him, sell him, sell him, sell him, sell him, sell him, and then sell him again. Mike McCarthy is not going to run Zeke Elliott 25 times a game. There aren't a lot of running backs like Ezekiel Elliott in the NFL that can handle 25 carries in a football game. And Zeke looked thin yesterday, like good thin, like he trimmed down in the offseason. He had one cut when he went left and then boop, went back to the right. And I'm like, man, I don't see that from Ezekiel Elliott very often because he's always been a bigger dude, real muscular guy. But then to see... Him get 11 carries in that first, in that entire game, in the first game. What maybe you can argue the best pure running back in the NFL. He doesn't catch the ball like McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook. He's not that guy. I think between Derrick Henry and Zeke Elliott, you're talking about big body, old school running backs that are still left in the NFL. That's the beginning and the end of the list, right? That's kind of it. But to only give that guy 11 carries is an atrocity. He is arguably your best player. Maybe Dak is, you you know, whoever. But how in the world? And and I don't, like I said, I don't love to play the game I told you so. But I'm telling you right now, I told you so. I told you all offseason, when I was covering the Green Bay Packers, everybody kept saying, oh, this is the year that Mike McCarthy runs the ball, and this is the year for pick a running back. I mean, Aaron Jones is showing you right now, if you're a Green Bay Packer fan, if you watch Aaron Jones in the Matt LaFleur offense, you see what kind of stud he is. The magic number for Aaron Jones' touches is usually 22. That would be two games worth of what Ezekiel Elliott got yesterday for the Dallas Cowboys. How do you not give that guy more carries? It's ridiculous. But Mike McCarthy is this alleged offensive genius. You know, he, he, he changed the way Brett Favre played. Brett Favre's best year in Green Bay may have been his last. I know he didn't win the MVP like he did three times in the 1990s. When, uh, when Mike Holmgren was there. But when you just look at the way that Brett Favre's game was changed, you look at the way that Brett Favre seemingly was brought, reeled in a little bit, wasn't playing as much gunslinger. There was still gunslinger. And then when Mike McCarthy got his hands on Aaron freaking Rodgers, the two were, it was a match made in heaven. And you thought, wow, this guy is an offensive genius. And we know what happened. There was fallout. The offense gets stale. When all you do is throw the football and you abandon the running game, teams know that. Teams absolutely know that. They don't have to cheat. They don't have to do anything. They know what's going to happen. They know you're throwing the football 51 times. Check that. 58 times. I just brought up the box score to make sure I was correct. 58 times they let Dak Prescott throw. And somebody uh, hit me up on Twitter and said, what do you think would have happened if they would have uh, allowed Zeke Elliott to run into that Tampa Bay defense? I don't care. <laughs> Frankly, I don't care. You have to run the football to win in the National Football League. Tom Brady is going to throw for a lot of yards and whatnot, but they're going to need Fournette, they're going to need Ronald Jones, and they're going to need Giovanni Bernard. Just like 
Every other offense. Listen, Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns several times in his career. But they're going to need Clyde Edwards-Elaire to actually contribute. And they don't necessarily, by the way, in today's world, in today's NFL, you don't necessarily have to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But short little quick screen passes count as touches. Those are considered runs by a lot of people. That's why Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fits so well in this system. That's why David Montgomery fits so well in the Bears system. That's why Aaron Jones fits so well in the Packers system. Because these guys can run and catch the football. And these coaches are smart enough to get the football to him. I forgot to mention that Zeke had two catches. Two. Two catches. So really, he had 13 touches. Arguably, your most dangerous weapon on offense... Had two catches, 11 carries, and 13 total touches. Absolutely ridiculous. Unbelievable. Unacceptable is what it was. Unacceptable. And they paid for it. I mean, imagine if they ran a little clock and didn't give Brady as much time, as many opportunities. They, tur- they had they turned Brady and, and the, uh, the Buccaneers over three times yesterday. They got a ton of opportunity to win this football game. And I know it's only week one, not freaking out, but this is going to be the same Dallas team that we saw last year. Abysmal defense. They're going to give up a ton of yards. They're going to give up a lot of points. They're not going to get stops when you need them. You knew when Brady had the ball with 90 seconds to go. He's like, all right, cool. Done. Sounds good. Let's go. Oh, you're giving me the ball back? Okay, I got this. Suck up. Warm up, buddy. We're going to need you in about mm, minute 27. And it worked. And it absolutely worked. They were set. But Dallas is going to do this a lot. They're going to score some points. Dak's going to have crazy-ass numbers. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, everybody's going to have their game every so often. It's tough picking one of those guys for your fantasy team. And they're going to just abuse Zeke Elliott by not giving him the football. Coming up, more NFL. uh, The big slate of games coming up this weekend. We'll get to that. Plus, the other two really big games... In the world of college football, it's not just Iowa and Iowa State. We'll get to those next. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Phone lines are open. 515-244-1350. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. You can follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. I am doing the show from my kitchen uh, this week, this time around. I uh, had a bit of a COVID scare. My wife woke up and could not smell or taste yesterday. Had a couple of tests. Both came back negative. I took mine yesterday. I had never had the thing shoved up my nose in the first year and a half of this, two years of this, whatever we are now, I don't even know. Uh, but I did yesterday. Mine came back negative, waiting on PCR tests. But the rapid test so far, my wife has had three in the span of 24 hours, and they've all come back negative, which is good. So maybe we're, you know, overcautious, overprotective. So I am in my kitchen. That's why the show may sound a little bit weird. Uh, I had to build this little makeshift studio in a little breakfast nook. <laughs> Not about a 12 hours ago, something like that. Well, last night we did this. So uh, so if the show, show does sound a little bit odd today, that's why uh, we got Cubs baseball coming your way. Cubs and Giants in about 10 minutes for the pregame 120. Pat and Ron will have the call here on 1350 ESPN. Tomorrow, of course, 
is the Cyhawk game between Iowa and Iowa State. Nine versus ten, the biggest game in history. I've already given my pick, 31-28. Going to go with the home team, Iowa State, to win that one. And then there are other, there are two other big college football games, like really big college football games. The first one, this is great that it got staggered this way. I was very happy that the Iowa State game is not going to interfere with Oregon and Ohio State. You got number 12, Oregon, leaving Eugene, going, or going east to the Midwest. Never a good formula for a football team, but Oregon going on the road to Columbus to take on the Buckeyes. Ohio State's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. For all this talk about Oregon being potentially the best team in the Pac-12, going into uh, the shoe and being this much of a dog is a bit surprising. It's not like Ohio State beat Alabama two Thursdays ago. They beat Minnesota. Minnesota kind of sucks. So I didn't take as much. I still expect Ohio State to win. They just reload. They've got playmakers all over. I think Chris Olave might be the best wide receiver in college football this year. Uh, they should win, but that's just a big number to see. And then there's a bunch of other crap like there usually is in the second week. you got you know Toledo, Notre Dame, Murray State going up against number seven, Cincinnati, Penn State after their win over Wisconsin last week. They've got Ball State. There's just not all that much. South Carolina State against Clemson. Eastern Michigan and Wisconsin, nothing's too exciting there. The Holy War... Uh, is going to be played uh, tomorrow night. Utah and BYU, always a good game for a rivalry if you're into that. And one of those early season rivalries like the Cyhawk game. The only other game really of note is Washington against Michigan. And that is the, uh, the night game to be played at the Big House. That's your ABC game. That's the Herb Street game. I don't necessarily, well, I take this back. I don't ever believe in Jim Harbaugh. If you're a college football fan and you're going to keep believing that Jim Harbaugh is going to finish this thing out and he's eventually going to get Michigan back to being a real rival for Ohio State, I have another thing coming for you. But I also could probably sell you some beachfront property somewhere uh, here in Des Moines. So you hit me up on that. Michigan, Washington, neither team is ranked. Washington lost last week. Michigan's 1-0. They beat Western Michigan. And I love Michigan football Twitter for this reason. They beat Western Michigan, who's allegedly supposed to be the class of the MAC this year. They beat Western Michigan, and all of a sudden, it's, is Michigan back? Did Harbaugh find a quarterback? Is this the year they finally turn it around? It's like, come on, man. They beat Western Michigan. Beat Washington, get through the non-conference, and, and give Ohio State a game before you believe in any of this crap. Because right now, if I had to bet my measly ESPN Des Moines paycheck on who's going to win, Michigan or Ohio State, if you gave me Michigan and 30, I still wouldn't take it. You just can't. How can you? Based on Harbaugh's entire tenure at Michigan versus Ryan Day and Herb before that when he was at Ohio State. It's a joke. You know, I, I, I still cannot believe that they brought Harbaugh back for yet another year. It's ridiculous. Uh, so those are the big games along with the Cyhawk game coming up uh, tomorrow in college football. And then Sunday. Sunday. It all starts. The National Football League, your fantasy league, your fantasy season. It begins early in the morning, of course, at noon. Des Moines time, Eagles, Falcons. Uh, what does Atlanta look like after getting rid of Julio Jones? Is Calvin Ridley ready to step up and make the next, take the next step? Uh, give me the Dirty Birds at home in that game. Steelers at the Bills. I have a sneaky suspicion that Big Ben is not as done as everybody seems to think that he is. Another year for Chase Claypool. They have weapons all over. They like Najee Harris. 
uh, the rookie out of Alabama to come in and be your starting running back. Uh, that's a, that's going to be my upset of the weekend. Give me the Steelers and the six and a half. I know everybody is on the Josh Allen train, and everybody loves Josh Allen as the next guy to win his first MVP. I had that conversation with some people, and that's my upset special of the weekend. Give me the the uh, the steel curtain to go into Buffalo and win that game. Vikings at Bengals. I just saw come across Twitter a couple of injuries. Anthony Barr is officially out. And also, first-round pick Christian Derisaw is out for Minnesota. Neither of those two are going to be playing in this one. Cincinnati is going to give up a lot of points. That's the thing. If you have Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook on your rosters, Justin Jefferson, those are guys you're going to want to play. You would anyway. You don't need me to tell you. But on the road at Cincinnati, Joe Burrows looked very questionable coming back from the ACL, PCL, MCL injury he had. Uh, I like the Vikings on the road there. Niners-Lions. If you have San Francisco 49ers on your fantasy roster, start San Francisco 49ers, especially receivers and Garoppolo. Detroit may have the worst secondary in the National Football League. So if you have those guys on your roster, start them. Dan Campbell's first game as a, uh, a Lion head coach. Cardinals and Titans, J.J. Uh, Watt added to the, the Cardinals roster, but on the road, in this one, Kyler Murray versus Ryan Tannehill. Tennessee, of course, with King Henry. That's going to be a really good football game. That kicks off at noon in Nashville. I'll take the home team. Seahawks and Colts. Colts are a mess. What is Carson Wentz? Is he going to be the old Carson Wentz? Can Seattle go on the road from the West Coast to the Midwest? Can they do what they did the first four weeks of the year last year? And that was actually look like a Super Bowl contender. Uh, Russell Wilson in this new offensive coordinator that they've got with D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and can Chris Carson stay healthy? They signed Gerald Everett, the tight end. Do they have any semblance of defense whatsoever? I do like Seattle going on the road in that game. Chargers going west as I'm sorry, Chargers going east as well. Uh, they are taking on the uh, Washington football team. The uh, the. The defense that Washington is going to be bringing to the table in this football game, to me, is what's going to be the equalizer. They signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. They've got Scary Terry. It's a big year for Antonio Gibson. Justin Herbert on the other side. Uh, he's got all the weapons galore and a healthy Austin Eckler in this football game. But I'll still take the home team in Washington. Jets and Panthers puke. What a horrible football game. Sam Darnold's old team versus Sam Darnold's new team. A healthy Christian McCaffrey probably gets the job done at home for the Panthers. Jaguars and Texans, double puke. Uh, debut for Urban Meyer as a head football coach. Debut for Trevor Lawrence, the first overall pick. The Texans are a mess. They seemingly are sell selling off all of their tradable assets for picks. Their backfield is a mess. Jacksonville may just darn well get the win on the road in the, uh, the first game of the year. First late game, Browns and Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes in this one. I have a feeling the Chiefs are playing with a massive chip on their shoulder considering the embarrassment of the Super Bowl when their offensive line was destroyed uh, by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they're going to win a lot of games and win a lot of games big, including this one. Dolphins-Patriots, Mac Jones debut. Packers on the road at the Saints. I'm going Green Bay. That's a homer pick. Bron Broncos and Giants. Saquon Barkley looks like he's going to go. Give me the G-men. Give me the Rams over the Bears on Sunday night football. What a tough opening night matchup for Chicago to go on the road in Stafford's first game with the Rams. Ravens, Raiders. The Ravens destroyed by injury in the last two weeks. I'll take the Las Vegas Raiders at home. That is it. We are out of here.
The show from the kitchen is in the books. Enjoy your weekend. My thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. You did a wonderful job. Thanks for listening. Cubs baseball is up next right here on 1350 ESPN Des Moines.